Hey everybody, welcome into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma and this is Moving Up the Ladder, where our experienced guests bring us their knowledge, hoping to give all of us insight into improving our careers and maybe even our life in general. As most people are looking for that supposed work-life balance that many say maybe it doesn't actually exist. But we'll get the opinion of our guests today who bring some terrific real-world experience to draw from. We'll be speaking with Renee Warren, co-founder of Onboardly, a go-to company for PR and content marketing for startups especially. Thanks for joining LJN Radio today, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. So, work-life balance, uh, is it real? Do you think it exists? What's your thought on it? (laughs) I don't know who coined the term, um, (laughs) but it is interesting. Sure. Because, I mean, balance is what you make it. And sure, you know, you have like these dials of your life. You can imagine this like board of dials. One dial is yourself, your health, family, kids, you know, all these different dials. And the the total can only be 100%. So if you crank up one dial to 100%, then you can't turn on any other dial. Hmm. So the balance is kind of fine-tuning these dials to see what works and what doesn't. And it changes all the time. So yeah, work-life balance exists. Sure, but it's about what is the proper balance for your lifestyle. Do you feel, though, uh, I mean, I don't want to say nowadays, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it didn't necessarily exist, but do you feel there's a lot of pressure for people to have that feeling of having it all, you know, the family and the leisure time and the, the work and success? Is there a lot of pressure from outside sources? Are we putting it on ourselves? How do you view that? I think there is a lot of pressure and social media doesn't really help. Mm. I know that. Um, with platforms like Facebook and Instagram. It's a great way of kind of putting on this this cover of what your life, what you want people to perceive your life to be. Sure. Uh, but the reality weighs behind those pictures. But there is pressure and it's really up to you to let it get to you. And I think that, I mean, you can look to social media for inspiration and think, oh, wow, that guy has it all. But you know, I've got a question, like, what does he have to give up to allow that perception of his lifestyle to exist? And you can, you can, in a way, have it all. Like, I have a beautiful house, a beautiful family, a growing business, but it doesn't come without its blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> it's not easy. But I realize that if I want to have it all, that it's going to be hard. It's going to take a long time. But when I do get there, that reward is what having it all uh, really feels like to me. So I think, I think it's, it's the pressure that People, you know, they, they stay in these jobs they don't like, they're not getting paid enough, they deserve to be treated better. We're in this day and age, quote, that you don't you don't have to live that lifestyle. You can really kind of curve out and mold this lifestyle that you want. And the people that are wedding to make the leap, whether to quit their job, ask for the promotion, ask for for more money, mm-hmm. move to another city, you know, you gotta you gotta question what's stopping you from making those decisions. Sure. And if you're being influenced by, you know, what other people are doing for their lifestyle. If you want to, you know, you want to be like, be like Jane and, and Tom up the street, then, you know, but why? You have to ask yourself, why is that, why is that something that I want? Because, you know, it's entrepreneurship or, you know, asking for that promotion, taking to the next level, it's not for everybody. It's not easy. Well, let, let's get into that a little bit as far as maybe specifics for the listeners to strategize a little bit, how you quote unquote have it all, or at least, have more of what you really want, uh, you know, for yourself, obviously, you're, as you said, you're running a business, you're a mom, a wife, 
course, I'm sure you worry about other aspects of your life as well, if you want to talk about health and, and various factors with that. What do you suggest, what do you do in terms of sort of setting the parameters of what you want to do and what you want to focus on? How do you handle that? Well, it's funny you ask. Kind of how I created the path and this journey of, of lifestyle and to get to the point that where I'm at was in English class in high school. I think I was 17 years old. I was on the way to college. And it was the first first day that I realized that I actually needed glasses. I couldn't see the chalkboard at the time. <laughs> yes, there were chalkboards. Not to date yourself at all. <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't see what the teacher was writing. So I just started jotting down notes in my book. I was already accepted in this university. So really, you know, I didn't, didn't care about this course and so on and so forth. So I was like, okay, here's my life. So I thought I'd be... 30 years old, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, you really actually don't know what 12 years can do to your life. So I thought I'd be married with kids, white picket fence, and running an agency in New York City. And I thought, okay, this is absolutely realistic. You know, and the white picket fence is kind of like this metaphor to to an icon to say, oh, I have it all. Sure. And I I mapped out this journey. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of what happened in my life to get to where I am now is all about the people that I met really important, you know, to go out there, connect, you know, get on the plane, go to speaking events and connect. Back to your point was I met my husband. And at this point, point I was kind of struggling to really reach this, this dream of mine, this, this journey that I had really mapped out for myself when I was 18 years old. And I remember on one of the first few dates that we had been on, I told him about what I wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, he secretly helped me get there. Hmm. And I didn't realize it until after the birth of our second son and we're having dinner one day and he just looks at me and he goes, did you know what I just did for you? I'm like, oh, this was a great meal. Thank you. <laughs> he goes, no, no, no. On our second or third date, you told me what you wanted to achieve by the time you were 30 years old. And I'm like, what? And he told me and he goes, and you wanted kids and you wanted this house and you wanted a growing business and you wanted all these things. And I realized that he was... Like and, and we'll probably dive into it at one point, but he was that support bubble, the support system in my life that really helped me achieve achieve those goals. And you know, it just it was just kind of blew my mind that you can allow yourself to be so vulnerable and open yourself up to your dreams and your visions of what you want things to be, and allow people to help you get there. Hmm. And you know, and the reward for him was probably just as rewarding as it was for me. Because he put himself out there and it was kind of like, it was the best gift that anyone's ever given me was it took a long time. It took years to create, but he helped me along the path without even telling me he was helping me. And then we got there. It was amazing. <laughs> well, well, since you touched on that, I mean, do people underestimate or not take advantage? And I'm not saying in a negative way, but in a positive way, not take advantage of the people around them and being able to you know, have that support, as you mentioned, or maybe even... Uh, I think you use the phrase to delegate uh, different uh, tasks maybe within your life. I mean, how valuable is that to have those people being able to help you out when you're trying to find a way to balance all this stuff? Well, it's super valuable. And I think the problem is that people don't take advantage of their network enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of babies now. I'm at that age where everyone around me is having babies. So a lot of friends are having babies. And I always say to them, listen, you need anything at all, a grocery run. Um, going to get diapers, whatever it is, let me know. Just text me, and no one ever offer or no one ever asks me for anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm always offering, <laughs> and I'm at this mindset, you know, whatever you put into it, you'll get out of it. 
And I think that the more you can put out there to help other people, the more it'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, everything we do for ourselves is very selfish. You can talk to the most selfless person and they still have motivations to help other people because it intrinsically means a lot to them, makes them feel good. That's a selfish thing. Everything sure. you do is selfish. But if you're helping other people achieve their dreams, if you're helping other people get there, it'll come back to you. And I think the problem is, is that people are just too darn afraid to ask for help. You know, they say in school, no, no question is a stupid question. Well, it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. You know, just put yourself out there, ask for the help, ask for advice, whatever it is. And people are always more than willing to help. You mentioned in an article of yours, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, you could see it as a stereotype, obviously, but I think people who have experience with families see that oftentimes women, especially mothers, have a little bit of issue maybe of doing that delegation or letting go. Do you see that as something that exists and, and that might hold a woman back from truly having it all because they just don't give up some of that control? Yeah, I think women in particular are afraid to let go. And I think it comes down to that that natural feeling of being the mom. So it's your responsibility and duty to do it all. Sure. And there, there's a reason why there's that saying that they say it takes a village. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It takes a village to raise a child. And I never really understood that till the day that my first son was born. When if I looked at all the people that were kind of there to help me raise him. It was a lot of people. But whether it's delegating as a mother, delegating as a business owner, as a boss, whatever it is, I think people naturally are just, they just don't know how to delegate. A, they're afraid that the person is going to do the job worse than them. You'd be surprised though, because you think you're right, but then someone's more right than you. (laughs) They come back (laughs) doing a much better job. It's just that fear of letting go. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you allow yourself to think that the way you've done something is so right that you don't want to give anyone else the opportunity to prove you wrong. So, you know, for me, at first, it was really, really hard to accept the fact that my son was being raised by someone else in the daycare during the day. We speak English at home, but my boys go to a French daycare. Hmm. You know what language they speak at home? They speak French because they spend more time talking in daycare than they do with us at home. Wow. And yeah, there's this like guilty feeling. And I realized that I have given up raising my kids in a sense during the day to someone else. So I've delegated that duty to someone else. And it's hard. Every day it's hard. But it's worth it. Because I love what I do. And I know that if I'm happy and I'm enjoying what I'm doing for a living, then naturally that happiness is shared with my family and my boys. Mm-hmm. So if you can appreciate delegation within reason and managing the fact that you've delegated certain tasks, whether it's for work or going to get diapers, whatever it is, it opens up so many other opportunities. And, and um, this book by Simon Sinek called Leaders Eat Last, there's one thing that he said that really, really comes to mind. And they did this research. I don't know who it was that did the research. They said something like, you know, Children don't often know how, how long you work. They don't know that you work 80 hours a week. But the thing that they remember the most is how you are when you're at home. Right. So if you are always happy and you're at home, but you're only home like four hours a week, that's the only thing that they remember about you. Sure, they know that you're gone a lot. 
but the only thing they remember is the fact that you're happy and fun and you exude that happiness. And when I heard that, it hit home. And to me, it was just like, that's it. I accept the fact that I work 50, 60 hours a week. I love my kids and I just want to be happy and happy for them. So if I'm happy, mom is happy, everyone's happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Happy wife, happy life, happy mom. Uh, Same applies there. Happy life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, you know, sort of giving everyone uh, a look into your personal life as much as professional. And that's sort of the idea here is that it's all intertwined. I mean, it really is. You talk about being connected all the time and, and how our time is delegated. I wanted to ask you about the idea of the three big rocks. That's something that you had talked about in an article, uh, allowing people to, like yourself, to focus on what's important and really make sure that other little things aren't getting in the way of of those key ideas that you think are important. Could you talk about that a little bit and, and maybe um, give us an example of how that would work for individuals who are feeling, hey, if uh, Renee can do it with the situation she's in, I can definitely do it. Sure. I think everyone um, has the opportunity to excel in the space that they choose. Now, the three big rock principle goes like this. You have a jar, you have rocks coupled in sand. A smart person knows to put the bigger objects in the jar first so that the smaller and smaller objects easily fit in. Now, with me, the three big rock principle is that you can only really focus on three big things at a time. Mm-hmm. You can't focus on 10. So if you start your day and you have a task list that goes on and on and on, never ends, you won't, you won't even start the first thing because you just know you won't be able to complete that task list. But if you put three big things on that list, you almost likely get it done. So for me, the three big rocks of life, now they change, but it's health, wealth, and quality time. So for me, focusing on my health, which is eating well and exercising, then my wealth is Okay, wealth includes not just financially happy, but wealth of happiness, wealth of all the things that I need and want in my life, and then quality time. Those are the three things that my life can focus on. And, you know, when the kids grow up and they leave the home, those things change. But for me, it's those three things. Um, And now, if you've ever read the book, The Love Languages, I think there's five different love languages. I'm not too sure how many. Anyway, mine was quality time. And... I took all these tests and I figured out that my love language with my husband is I like quality time. Mm-hmm. So he could either wrap up a $2,000 diamond and give it to me on our anniversary, or he could take no money and schedule in a completely random day hiking in the woods or something, and I would actually appreciate that more. So I've identified that my love language with my husband and my relationships is having those quality time. So focus on your three big rocks. Um, they usually have to do with health, wealth, and family. Identify what it is that you need from those. Put those rocks in and then you kind of pour in the pebbles in the sand and the rest speaks for itself. <laughs> right. So the idea, though, really is to to make sure you have, as you said, maybe just those three most important aspects that come first, essentially, when you're scheduling things, when you're trying to figure out how it all is going to fit together and really sticking to it. Because I think that I mean, to me, that might be the biggest struggle is when some of these wants and needs might clash. You know, there's the example always of, well, you know, my son has a game that I promised I would be at, but I have this deadline to meet. Uh, What happens when those big rocks clash? What what advice can you give to people there? Yeah, well, it happens a lot more than I'd like to admit. But (laughs) a perfect example would be that uh, the other week, both of my sons were, were sick. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to stay at home to take care of them because I'm not allowed in daycare. And I wouldn't want them to be in daycare anyway. So we've already established within the team and with my co-founder that in the event of such family emergencies, that it's okay to be pulled out of meetings, pulled out of sales, call, sales calls, and reschedule things. The point, the point of understanding these three big rocks is to also look at the contingency plans around it. So if you say health is one of them, I'm going to eat well, work out, you know, maybe I'll lose 10 pounds, whatever it is. What are the, the factors that can come into play that would make you go off track? And what's the contingency plan around that? So you have to look at it in terms of like the, a holistic approach. Right. And for us at work, on the wealth side of things and growing and scaling this business, it, it pretty much takes us all being there 50 hours a week at least and you know, all hands on deck all the time. But things happen that we get pulled away and it's unfortunate, but it's, it's reality. But you set up those contingency plans, kind of if this, then that um, understanding of how to make things work. So it's planning. It really is. What I find interesting, and you know, clearly you're in a little bit different situation um, with running a business. Now that has its own, of course, unique challenges and time considerations. A lot of our listeners, though, are in a position where you know they're just an employee at a company, and and maybe they are in a spot where they want that flexibility. They don't have it right now. Is there a way you would suggest to them to speak to their employer, to their manager, to their boss about, hey, I obviously feel my job here is important, but is there a way we can work it so that in a case, as you just talked about, where maybe a child needs to be taken care of, or maybe there's a health concern personally, how would you go about handling that if if you had to report to somebody, like I said, a manager or, or even a higher up within a company? Yeah, and I think it goes back to what I spoke about in terms of delegation, is okay. that people are often afraid to ask for help for whatever reason. And most recently within our organization, we had an employee who's been with us since the beginning ask for a two-hour meeting one day. Obviously, we were a little bit nervous only because <laughs> we thought, oh gosh, she's quitting. Sure. But what she presented to us was her career plan hmm. and where she wants to be in three, five, and 10 years and how much she wants to be making in that time. And it was rather a lofty goal, but I looked at it and I said to her, so you want to stay with the company for 10 years? She goes, I would appreciate the opportunity. And I thought, you're serious. I said, <laughs> you realize what we need to do in terms of sales and revenue in order for us to be paying you this much by this time next year? She goes, absolutely. And it's in my plan to actually get the company to that point so I can be making that much money. Wow. I did not realize how dedicated she was to the organization that she knew what she had to do in order to get paid that much. Hmm. So she looked at it from the perspective of it being her own business. Had she not presented this plan to us, who knows what would have happened? She would have become complacent and unhappy. But now the challenge doesn't only exist on our end as founders and, and I guess managers of the company to help her achieve that goal, but it's also on her end to help us be able to afford to pay her. So I think the idea in those circumstances is to actually ask, you know, say anecdotally, here's a situation. There's someone who wants a couple extra hours a week given back to the family time. So say there's a kid in preschool or they go to school and they get out of work at three. And a perfect situation would be for mom or dad to leave work around that time, go home and be with the family. Now, if you add that up, it's an extra 10 hours a week they might be missing work. But what does that mean to the business? Can the person go in at 8 as opposed to 9 a.m. to get that extra hour of work? Right. 
Can they take only half the bonus offered at Christmas time this year? What can the company give up or what can the employee give up in order to get that, that balance? But if you come up with a fairly detailed plan and you present that to your boss or your manager to let them know, this is what I'd like. This is what I think you need to do to make it happen. And this is what I will do to make it happen. That's the best bet. You know, don't become complacent. The worst thing that they'll say is, no, no, we can't do that. Right. But you won't know until you try. Mm -hmm. I I definitely, I think that was a great example of the employee that you talked about and just the, again, going into the detail and really understanding what it would take. I think that, uh, I think that's great advice for our listeners out there. If they are struggling, maybe in a situation like that, or, you know, to, to her point of just sort of career advancement or where, where you want to be in five, 10 years. Uh, I think that's a, a great example. Renee, we are getting a little low on time and I appreciate all of the, uh, again, the, the conversation you've given us, the examples, uh, a peek into your own life as well. But I did want to give you the floor here at the end. Uh, again, this idea of work-life balance, and and maybe it never really existed, but it's just the idea of, of different perceptions and your own perspective on things. What would you like to give the listeners as a final takeaway to sort of wrap up this conversation at the end? I think going back to that one particular blog post about work-life balance is know your limits, appreciate them, and work within your capacity. That is what we're going to leave this interview on. <laughs> I, I think that works perfectly fine for me. <laughs> With that, we will then wrap things up here on Moving Up the Ladder. Again, we've been discussing the possibility that maybe work-life balance doesn't truly exist, but as we've been talking about, it's really a matter of focusing on what matters most and what it might take to get there for yourself. Our guest today has been Renee Warren. She's the co-founder of Onboardly, and you can find them at onboardly.com. Renee, thank you very much for creating time in your busy schedule and giving us and the listeners some great insight today. Thanks for having me. And of course, if you have any thoughts on Renee's opinion, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for us to cover, just email ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com and you can tell us what you want to learn more about. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.